There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. Welcome Fight Fans, this is Alden Kodash. We are going to be covering last night's action on Showtime Pay-Per-View. We had six fights, two subcards, five of them being for a world title, the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. How are you this morning, Mr. Fuss? Hey Alden, I'm great. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. It was a very, very late night, and <laughs> yeah. it was a pretty odd card. I mean, started at 7, ended at 1.30. It just – and something about the sequencing felt off. I mean, really great action. I just didn't like the way <laughs> they uh, they kept us waiting for, for, for the fights that we really came out to see. What was uh, weird? I don't know how – like, well, like well, you just mentioned it. The sequencing felt weird. I didn't know if I would appreciate the intermission – or yeah. hate it and i'm kind of like half and half like part of me was like okay cool break between the fights i can go grab a drink use the bathroom at the same time i'm like this is a 30 minute <laughs> intermission and now the card's going to be extending well past midnight <laughs> yeah it was uh it was quite an evening i definitely i had some very late night coffee to get me through uh the last couple of fights but it was worth it because jermel charlo was sensational um uh, you know, there are some sensational fights. I mean, nothing really put me to sleep. It was just the, the way it dragged on and the uh, very odd intermission with Brian Campbell. And uh, who was he talking to in the uh, in the <laughs> mid-fight show? Oh, I have to be honest. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't yeah. know who the head is. I, it was nothing against them. It just it seemed like two guys that were uh, given way, way too much time to <laughs> to recap things and just kept rambling on. Uh, probably a lesson learned for Showtime in the future for some of their pay-per-view cards not to uh, uh, not to play us like that. <laughs> yeah, necessary adjustments because I kept asking. I was like, who are these people? And at times I would mute and then unmute and then I ultimately I just decided to mute the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was definitely odd. Uh, and also the the double the the two cards. I think I, I would have preferred it being Charlo Brothers back to back. Although at at the level of opposition they were fighting, it would be hard to decide who's the main event and who's the co-feature uh, because they're both terrific fights and uh, very high-quality matchups. But Yeah, makes yeah. sense. I guess it's all about like the pressure, especially since they're twins, are concerned about the other one fighting. And kind of like with the last time they were on the same card, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Jermel, like, Jamal was getting prepared, but then he was also concerned about his brother. And when his brother ultimately took that loss... Yeah, he said it kind of affected him in his fight. So I guess they wanted to space it out a little bit so he could collect their thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of sequencing this podcast, we can start on card one. We could talk about <laughs> Joe John Real Casimero from the Philippines retaining his world title in three rounds against Duke Micah. Uh, you know, sensational performance. Casimero is really on top of the world. He just knocked out Zolani Tete. He was supposed to fight Inoue in April. You know, I think a lot of people were overlooking his chances in there. But now after seeing him uh, do what he did against Micah and seeing his enthusiasm and calling in a way out after, you know, I, I think that's a tremendous fight I'd love to see. He was super confident. I only saw because I came into the card late last night. Um, mm -hmm. I only saw the highlights earlier this morning and he didn't seem to be concerned about anything. He had his hands down showboating. I mean, he was doing one arm pushups at the end. 
dominant <laughs> performance from Casemiro, and I just love his personality. He's got some heavy hands for a 118-pounder. I mean, I'm not going to go as far to compare him to guys like uh, Inouye and, 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 and Donaire in terms of his power, but you know, he can really, really crack. And uh, you know, for such a veteran at his age, um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, the amount of strength behind his punches, right? Like, like you said, maybe in a way might not be too too threatened, but it's enough to put respect on his name. Oh yeah, he, the commitment that he puts into his punches, Casemiro, uh, is, is impressive, and uh, he's definitely very charismatic and fun to watch. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to. I, I hope he fights uh, in a way or 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 a big unification fight in his next fight. Um, the NOA fight should have happened in April, as I mentioned. Uh, let's get it going by potentially the end of this year. I mean, the best thing about these guys is super flyweight, bantamweight, is that there's really not too many barriers to entry to making these fights happen. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I appreciated his uh, call-out at the end. No matter how awkward it was, he called in a way <laughs> like a turtle. But he, he also said, like, if he's in a way scared to fight him, you know, he'll take out – or he'll go ahead and fight Guillermo Rigando and then he'll fight Luis Neres or any of the other top fighters. So he's willing, he's ready for that payday. Yeah. Yeah. Luis Neri we'll discuss a little bit later. He fought later on the card in card two. Uh, Brandon Figueroa also fought on the first card uh, that was headlined by Jamal Charla and Derevianchenko. And, and Figueroa retained his WBA 122 pound title with a beatdown of overmatch challenger Damian Vasquez, who had his moments early but really didn't need to be taking that kind of punishment in round seven eight i'm not sure what gary rosado was doing quite frankly yeah i appreciated vasquez's attempt you could see this guy was willing to go out on his shield but at some point you know i'm i was sitting there thinking take the knee man you cannot keep taking this punishment especially if you're trying to be in the sport for a longer amount of time yeah i, I really you know it's it's crazy you have three different sources of um of of intervention to save fighters from themselves but it just didn't seem like any of them were stepping up to do the right thing the doctor the referee the corner um it really worries me when i see guys like figueroa who don't have that one punch knockout power but just have enough endurance to keep landing the same shots over and over and yeah vasquez uh, i hope he's okay that's all i gotta say really uh, yeah figueroa really laid a number on him I've got to say the sport is it's we don't need any more young men or women, you know, succumbing to the damages sustained in the sport just because a ref didn't want to call it early. The corner didn't want to throw the towel or even the fighter. They want to go out in their shield. But we've already seen within the past year alone, too many fighters, unfortunately, passing away due to the damage. Yeah. I don't recall seeing one during uh, the new normal this COVID season, but I, I would anticipate that wouldn't really be a great mark on the sport either. I mean, especially with all the safety precautions we have to prevent spread of the virus. Now we add some casualties in the ring onto it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully Damien Vasquez is doing okay. And like you, I commend him for his, his cojones. <laughs> and he, uh, he took a lot of big shots and, and never really gave up. So, um, but Brandon Figueroa retains his title. Not the biggest fan of Figueroa, quite frankly. Uh, he's uh, he's a workmanlike fighter. Uh, he just doesn't have, um, at least at this stage in his career, and granted he's only 23, just the uh, technical acumen and boxing skills to to compete against the likes of uh, Angela Leo, Stephen Fulton, uh, and even Louis Neary, who won a title at 122 last night. 
Yeah, I can't say that I've followed Figueroa, Figueroa very closely ever, if at all. I think maybe with last night, probably the first time I've actually watched a full fight with him. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, he's, mm. yeah he's, uh, he's, he's kind of a pretty boy that takes too many shots. And uh, I've seen him take horrendous punishment at the hands of Julio Ceja in the past. Uh, and for his age, it's questionable how much he really needs to be taking those shots. But uh, I, I think he needs a little bit of a technical adjustment if he wants to make it to the world-class level going forward. Fair. I say that's a fair assessment just because, like, seeing what he was taking the punishment from Vasquez, you know, even though he was besting Vasquez. Yeah. At some point, it's just like, where is this, like you said, the technical prowess? Because he was getting caught with punches. It's like, you shouldn't be taking those hits. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, he he has all the height and and the reach to make it, these fights a lot easier on him than he is. But um, something about him is uh, just prone to these high contact fights that it doesn't seem like he really needs to be in, especially at his age. Um, so going towards the second card, the undercard fights. There we had Roman, uh, excuse me, Daniel Roman beating Juan Carlos Payano uh, in a I want to say an eliminator fight. You know, obviously. Daniel Roman, he pulled this fight off. He's probably headed towards another title shot, either against MJ, uh, maybe against a Louis Neary or, or a Casemiro. You know, he's fresh off a uh, his his titles that he lost recently, and um, he really had to work hard to get this one. A lot harder yeah, than I would say I really enjoyed seeing Payano uh, fight last night. I was like, this is a different guy than what we've seen, especially with that not, like what first second round knockout from Inouye. Yep, first uh, round. Yeah, just seeing him come back and it's like, all right, well, Danny Roman's not not a devastating puncher like in a way. But Juan Carlos or Juan Payano made him pay for it or make him made him work for that win is what I'm trying to say. Like, I was really impressive, impressed with like, you know, his little veteran tricks that he was doing, adjusting, moving around to the ring. He was switching up the attack to the body, to the head. Uh, and Roman was sitting at some point just like uh, kind of like, what do I do? I'm not entirely sure this guy, this guy's pulling off a lot of punches that I didn't think he would do, but he apparently has a lot more left in the tank than I gave him original credit for in the early rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Payano is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's an Olympian, I believe. Uh, he's had some high contact rough affairs against Rashi Warren. Uh, he's coming off a knockout loss against Louis Neary, uh, first round knockout loss uh, a little bit further back against Inouye. Very surprising performance that he was able to fight at that level. And it looked like he was going to roll to victory with the kind of technical dominance he was showing in the middle rounds. So, you know, I give credit to Roman for pulling it back, but uh, um, Payano, maybe it's a, a good fighter having one less great fight left in him, or maybe he has more in the tank than we expected. Hopefully so, because like everything that he was doing last night, if he can replicate that process again, I would love to see him in another high profile matchup. Absolutely. Uh, so another 122 pound fight. I think, the count is three right now. <laughs> After the fight last night, we're in the 122-pound division, uh, the top of the division. Louis Neary was fighting for a vacant WBC 122-pound title that was vacated by Ray Vargas. Uh, Neary fought Aaron Alameda, and he won a hard-fought unanimous decision over him despite a 14-month layoff. Uh, this was also the first time Neary went the distance in uh, 11 fights. So Alameda really... Uh, really impressed me with his durability. He never even looked significantly hurt against Neary, which kind of begs the question of whether or not Neary lost some of his sap at 122 pounds. 
That's the question. A lot of the the like, I guess, the social media posts or Twitter thread that I was seeing last night was like everyone calling out near is like, dude, you're going the distance with this cat. You said that you could take out uh, in no way. And so it's <laughs> just calling into question. It's like, can he really do it? Because he's not pulling off anything impressive tonight. Yeah. Well, I mean, he 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 definitely had his moments. He looked he looked well, he looked good. He uh, took more punches than I was expecting him to take. But Alameda's also never fought in the U.S. before. And uh, he was unbeaten, but you know, it was hard to get a gauge on how good this guy really is. Uh, I, I thought he looked pretty well, especially in the late rounds. I think he started a little bit too late. But um, but I think it was more of a workmanlike performance for Neri. Definitely kind of a letdown for the, the guys that were uh, giving credence to some of his uh, more ambitious call-outs to Naoi Inoue and, and, and the likes of those. But Neri now finds himself with the title at 122. Not a bad position to be in, considering the opposition that we saw both last night and and in the broad 122 pound division, and um, we'll see where he goes from there. It does make for uh, an exciting potential matchup within that division, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have gotten uh, through all the 118, 122 pound fights, <laughs> of which that was two thirds of the card last night. Uh, the Charlo brothers were the reason why perhaps most people paid the $75 to watch. Although, uh, I think partly the reason that I did was because of the, some of the explosive little guy action. Um, Jermall Charlo. And this is a fight that, you know, I will admit I went on record twice saying that I thought Derevianchenko was going to win this fight. Um, but I was really blown away by Jermall Charlo's performance. I think this was the best performance of his career. I don't think anyone could doubt that. Uh, and I, I really think it went from a guy who is largely unproven at 160 to the end of the night. You know, I think he might be the best at 160. And I think a lot of people might be uh, in the same boat as I am. Uh, are you? <laughs> I would definitely, I really want to see the matchup uh, between him and Gennady Golovkin, or if not, you know, if possible, Canelo Alvarez, if Canelo Canelo is no longer coming back to the 160 division. Yeah, yeah. So, so to be clear, when I say he's the best at 160, I'm not counting Canelo and, and Danny Jacobs, who are uh, both, uh, at least in my eyes, uh, pegged at 168 for the remainder of their careers. Oh, yes. Yeah, they, they're making those initial like changes, so they're bumping up. So I'm really curious, like if it is possible, I would love to see Canelo come back for maybe one last fight. Mm-hmm. with Jamal Charlo but since if he does make that official decision to you know stay at 168 okay well Charlo versus GGG yeah no absolutely I think at this stage in his career I'd favor Charlo to beat Triple G uh Charlo um you know he he did defeat Derevianchenko a lot more decisively than Triple G and Danny Jacobs did it also begs the question of after those brutal fights that Derevianchenko had against Triple G and Jacobs how much tread is remaining on his tires and not to take away from Charlo's victory, but uh, you know, it seemed like Derevianchenko's already given so much of himself. I don't know if he had what it took to uh, pull out a gritty victory against Charlo. Part of me wonders if Derevianchenko had a tuna fight in between this fight and his last, would he have come out a little bit more earlier between in the middle rounds instead of, I mean, he was pushing the pace. He was, he was trying to walk down Charlo and but he it really came on towards the end there, I guess, with the urgency of like, hey, man, you're behind on the scorecards. Yeah, I, I think but, he was very hesitant about um, getting inside of having to take the shots to get inside against Jamal Charlie really got his respect early and and made him uh, very hesitant to engage. 
Yeah, I I kind of feel like you said, Dervinchenko has been through the grinder. He has not had, I mean, what he is like 14, 15 fights as a professional, all that uh, like amateur experience. Yeah. And, but he's not taking an easy route. (laughs) (laughs) I I think he's, uh, yeah, I think he is one of the hardest, uh, he's one of the most unlucky title challengers. He's fought for a title three times against three very good fighters, gave three Herculean efforts. Uh, busted up in each and every fight and uh at least in two of the three i thought he came up just a tad short i thought he beat triple g i thought he was within a round of beating danny jacobs over i thought he lost but this one he really took a lot of punishment and he uh he lost decisively i had him losing eight of the 12 rounds i could see him losing nine of the 12 rounds maybe not 10 of the 12 rounds as one of the judges did but uh i think it's just a mark to how overall uh, technically superior Jamal Charlo is than I was anticipating at least because he dominated the fight from the outside and he even held his own on the inside, which I was surprised with because of Derevianchenko's prowess in close quarters. Yeah, I really, I was really impressed with Charlo's jab last night. Uh, yeah. The way he was effectively just keeping keeping Derevianchenko on ineffective on the outside. He was just pumping that jab whenever he felt he needed to keep him outside because he knew when Derevianchenko was going to come in. He'll take some punishment, but then it's like, oh, there's a dog fight about to occur, especially on the ropes. But like you said, Charlo really had moments last night with throwing the uppercut, staying on the inside, inside that pocket that I kind of wasn't expecting. I thought he'd just maybe pivot out and then start pumping that jab, but he decided – I'm I'm comfortable sitting in here and doing it. So I guess, you know, yeah. I don't know. I thought I was just highly impressed with Charlo's overall performance. I guess I, I really wasn't expecting that. But, hey, he pulled it off. Yeah, he pulled it off. And Derevianchenko was was beaten up like I've never seen. Uh, or I, not, not never seen, but rather uh, hardly see in terms of his eyes. Uh, one of them was swollen shut and the other one was bleeding. Uh, potentially both of them were bleeding. It really takes a real, real fighter to come through that kind of punishment, especially against a puncher like Jamal Charlo. I mean, he really had the deck stacked against him last night in Derevianchenko. Uh, but Jamal Charlo retains his WBC title. Uh, questionable how he got the title. He was basically just given it while Canelo was anointed the franchise champion. But no doubt after last night, he's a legitimate 160-pound title holder. I'm not going to take that away from him anymore. Um, and, uh, later in the card, we had Jermel Charlo, 154 pound champion, WBC fighting the unified 154 pound champion, Jason Rosario and scoring the first body shot knockout from a jab that I've ever seen. <laughs> Have you I, ever seen anything like that? Never. I, you know, I, he, unless someone wants to start calling Charlo the body snatcher, I, I don't know how I feel about that, that moniker for Charlo, but with a jab. Man, I don't know. I thought that looked kind of odd to me, but it, it must have. There must have been a lot of pop behind that jab because it sat right there on the on the stomach. And Rosario yeah. went down, and he was like, nah, "Not, I can't get up." Yeah, he was crippled there. It almost kind of looked like uh, up at Simmons against Jim Corbett. I mean, if if you kind of get through some of the grainy footage, that could have been a jab to the body right in the pit of the solar plexus as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those wind knocking punches that you're just like, I need a minute to recover, but you only get 10 seconds, right? Yeah. Uh, wow. He also had Jason Rosario hurt several occasions, and it was the oddest fight in the world, really, because when he, Jason Rosario was not hurt, he was having a lot of success and winning plenty of rounds. 
um, you know, still walking through hell to put a beating on Jamal Charlo, Jamal Charlo and, at, at various stages of the fight, despite getting hurt by left hooks to the head, temple shots, uh, hell of a courageous performance by Rosario. But, you know, I, I think Jamal Charlo, he's almost, I, I tweeted about this last night, he almost reminds me of a Julian Jackson. I mean, he is just such a huge puncher that you really can't rest on the guy for a second or else you end up like like Hurl Graham. <laughs> yeah. All of well, a sudden unconscious. Well, at any moment, like, right, it's like you always have to keep in the back of your head. And I, I'm, I'm sure Rosario was keeping this, uh, was cognizant of this. It's just like you have to respect his power at any point in time. Any punch that he throws, it's a looping, it's a jab, it, it, can, it can hurt you. And unfortunately, Rosario discovered that harsh, especially what by the seventh round when he took that that body shot. But he got clipped in this towards the end of the sixth with the left hook right on the chin, and you saw Rosario's legs buckle. And I think right then and there it was like, oh, this is he caught me again, and it was a clean shot. Um, yeah. But any other point is like, if Charlo were to have landed maybe sooner, would we have seen the same effect? He's just a heavy hitter. Yeah. He's a heavy hitter. He's got plenty of tactical deficiencies, um, particularly in his fight against Tony Harrison in the rematch. You know, he has a tendency to fight off the back foot and, and be inactive for, for very long stretches. But when you have that kind of pop, it could not, it could reverse plenty of the uh, technical errors that you make in the ring. It's almost like a Deontay Wilder, <laughs> yeah. where sometimes you just overlook all the things they do wrong because they close the show the way they do. I think this was a good matchup for for Jermel because Rosario was walking him down, right? Like he he didn't Jermel didn't have to go to him. He just yeah. oh, I'm just going to wait for you and I'm just going to unload whatever I have, which you know it kind of makes it like like you said for the technical deficiencies. This Charlo Jermel is not one to use his jab. I know that's something that he's trying to work on, but I didn't see it besides that that jab to the body. Uh, it was a lot of loading up on punches, and I mean it was effective. No, I, I think he is the more uh, physically talented of the two Charlo brothers. I think he is the less complete of the the two Charlo brothers. Uh, but with that kind of power, he's um, I think he might be becoming the more popular of the two because Jamal Charlo, uh, with with all his uh, technical acumen and, and his heavy hands, I don't know if he has that kind of pop that Jamal Charlo brings into the ring with him. That that fight ending fight altering pop. I mean, Jamal is a huge puncher. He's a very strong puncher, very heavy handed. But Jamal just has a little more speed and and uh, but he also carries some baggage with him. Yeah, I I was I was impressed with his performance last night. Uh, I was kind of edging it more towards Rosario until obviously that that spear to the body that he threw at Rosario. But uh, I appreciated the way he kept composed, wasn't feeling overwhelmed with Rosario's consistent uh, body attacks. Because I will say, Rosario was really trying to hit that body. He was like, I'm going to slow this guy down and bring those hands down. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to pull it off, and Charlo got the win decisively. Yeah, so now Charlo has three of the four belts at 154 pounds. Patrick Tykesera has the fourth. Um, not really too much excitement in that fight. I really don't follow Tykesera too much at all, but... Erickson Lubin went on record calling out the winner of this fight. I really don't see how he'd want much of Jermel Charlo a second time after what Charlo did to uh, Rosario last night. Um, you know, I think Charlo is getting at that stage where you got to question how much more fights at 154 he really has until he uh, is kind of forced to move up out of lack of competition. 
Yeah, I really do appreciate how, you know, he was able to sustain dominance um, within this whole division at this point. Right. Because this could have been a fight that I thought Rosario could have clearly he could have won. Um, And I think it was pretty evident, like at some point, like he was really walking down Charlo, Mm -hmm. pushing that uh, the conditioning of Charlo. But Charlo was obviously last night really well conditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the rest of the 154 division, it's just like, how much does he have left to prove? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, be hard to anticipate him not coming out with a knockout against Erickson Lubin. Uh, if they ever fought again, maybe not in the first round, but at some point he would catch him. And you really have to suspect at some point he would catch a lot of guys at 154 and maybe even 160, uh, which it seems like he's headed towards. Um, yeah. So, Jermel Charlo got the knockout victory. Jermel Charlo got the unanimous decision victory. Really a huge night for the Charlo brothers last night. Uh, which one do you think has more upside after last night's performances? Ooh, I'm re- I'm leaning more towards Jermel for this or one. Sensational uh, knockout. Yeah, just because of like the power that he has in his hands. The the fight with uh, Jermel and Dervianchenko. I see that, you know, Jamal is strong. He's sturdy. I mean, both of them are strong and sturdy. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, like, I think it's the showmanship of Jamal's performance yeah. of that knockout, especially with Lubin as well. It's just like, well, this guy, this guy's a heavy hitter and he's going to, he's going to close the show. Yeah. Now both, uh, both look sensational. I, uh, think a lot more of Jamal Charo at 160 than I did before last night. All the credit to him in the world by beating one of the top contenders at 160 pounds and Derevianchenko. Uh, Derevianchenko, I hope he recovers from his injuries and doesn't feel too downtrodden by coming up short yet again, as does Rosario after another spirited effort last night from him. Um, also last night, not on Showtime pay-per-view, we had Josh Taylor with the first-round body shot knockout. Pretty riveting of Apanung Konsang. I'm probably forgetting his name. Apologize to him and, and his followers, but uh, Josh Taylor, he is putting himself in position, I think, for a unification fight against uh, Juan Carlos Ramirez at 140 for all four belts. Uh, really, what's stopping that? I have no, I to be honest, I have no idea what would be stopping that. I mean, his de- performance last night was just dominant. It was in the first round, correct? Yeah, first round body shot knockout. And it was just like, boom. You know, he just went in, did his job, and I was like, wow, hopefully I'm glad I didn't pay for this because I would have been a little <laughs> upset. It's kind of like yeah. paying for the old Mike Tyson fights, right? Like, oh, first round, ah, well, glad I wasted my money on this fight. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> he called him out towards the end there, right, in the post-conference interview. He's saying that he was ready for that unification. Yeah, I mean, I, he this was his first fight in almost a year. He really didn't get too much action in there, so I could see how he's pretty ambitious. He signed with Top Rank earlier this year, and uh, you know, if I had to guess, there's really not too uh, more telling a reason than because he wanted the unification with Juan Carlos Ramirez to take place. Um, and yeah, let's see it happen. Maybe by the end of this year, probably early next year. But you know, both are coming off victories. Ramirez is a little less impressive in his victory over Postal not too long back. Um, I think this would be a tremendous fight for all the belts. Yeah, like you said, I just don't want too much ring rust to develop. I understand with the whole COVID situation, maybe I could see why, depending on location, where they would need to fight. But I would rather have it sooner than later instead of possibly just waiting it out maybe even another year just to settle those contractual disputes. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, 
we covered a lot of fights. That was seven fights, uh, two cards. Um, really a tremendous night of boxing last night, although maybe not sequenced the best, but uh, something for Showtime to take into consideration as they go forward into their next Showtime pay-per-view with Tank Davis and Leo Santa Cruz at the end of next month. Uh, but that's really all I had. I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight, Jeff, or this morning, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fuss, uh, getting all my time zones messed up because I was up so late last night watching these fights. Uh, but that's a wrap for our fight report for the September 26th card featuring the Charlo brothers and some very game opposition. Thanks, Jeffrey. Hey, well, thanks for having me, Alden.